Chapter 10 of Curly Carson Listens In by Roy J. Snell. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Tom Penn. Chapter 10 The First Lap of a Long Journey. On the way back to the Ardmore home, both the girl and her escort were silent for some time. Then, turning to her, Curly asked, Has this friend of your brother's, Brightwood, did you say his name was? Has he a seaplane? Is that an airplane which flies up from the ocean and lights upon it when one wishes it to? Yes. He has one of those. Yes, I'm sure of it. He wanted to take me for a ride out over the sea last summer. And is he what you would call a daring chap, ready to attempt anything? Why, yes, he is. But, but how do you know so many things? It is my duty to know. Again he lapsed into silence. On arriving at the estate, they found Gladys's father in a strange state of agitation. "'Just received a telegram from an old and trusted friend who is on the coast of Maine. He says Vincent has been seen there within the last twenty-four hours. What that can mean, I haven't the faintest notion. I should go there at once, but business makes it entirely impossible.' "'Under one condition,' said Curly soberly, I will go east and attempt to bring your son home. Indeed, I shall go anyway. Have already arranged transportation, in fact, and leave in two hours. But it would please me if I might go with your approval. You have arranged to go? The older man's face expressed his astonishment. For what purpose? On a commission for the government. And you wish my permission for what? To bring your son back with a warrant under arrest the older man looked at curly for a moment as if to discover whether or not he was joking young man he said slowly do you know who i am you are j anson ardmore one of the richest men of the middle west and do you know that i could crush you with my influence no sir i do not curly drew himself up to his full height those days are gone forever. I am part of the United States government, the government which has made it possible for you to gain your wealth. Her laws must be obeyed. You could not crush me, and, what is still more important, you have no notion of doing so. What? The magnate's face became a study. Then it broke into a smile. I like your spirit, he said, seizing Curly's hand in a vice-like grip. You have the power of the law behind you. You need no consent of mine. But so be it. If my son has broken the law, he shall suffer the penalty. There is one other matter, said Curly soberly. At the present moment it is merely a theory. I am unable to offer any worthwhile proof for it. But it is my belief that your son and his chum, Alfred Brightwood, are considering a very perilous seaplane journey. Indeed, they may even at this moment be on their way. If that is true, they should be followed at once in some swift-traveling vessel, for they are almost certain to meet with disaster. That Brightwood boy will be the death of us all yet, exploded the father. For sheer foolhardy daring, I have never known his equal. Time and again I have attempted to persuade Vincent to give up associating with him, but it has been of no avail. Alfred appears to hold some strange hypnotic power over him. For a moment he stood there in silence. 
When he spoke, he was again the sober, thoughtful businessman. If what you say is true, and you find that they have already departed on this supposed journey, my private yacht is at your disposal. It lies in the mouth of the river at Landonsport. The captain and engineer are on board. You will need no further crew. She is the fastest private engine-driven yacht afloat. If necessity demands, do not hesitate risking her destruction. But you will not, of course, endanger your own life. All right. Then I guess everything is settled. You will wire instructions to the captain of the yacht. I must hurry to my train. Curly hastened from the room. Joe was awaiting Curly at the depot. Filled with an eager desire to know what was to be the nature of this new adventure, he could wait scarcely long enough to buy tickets, reserve sleeper berths, and to board the train before demanding full details. The train was a trifle slow in pulling out. As he outlined the situation to Joe, Curly kept an eye out of the window. Once he caught sight of a slight girlish figure which seemed familiar. He could not be sure, so heavily veiled was her face. He had quite forgotten the incident when, a few hours later, he entered the diner for his evening lunch. What then was his surprise on entering to see Gladys Ardmore calmly seated at a table and nibbling at a bun? She motioned him to a seat opposite her. "'You didn't expect to have me for a fellow passenger, did you?' she smiled. Curly shook his head. "'Well, I didn't expect to go until the last moment. Then the professor came with the translation of the writing on the map all written out. Father thought you should have it, so he sent me with it. I arrived just in time and decided all at once that I ought to... all that I wanted... that I must go with you.' There was a pathetic catch in her voice that went straight to Curly's heart. After all, he told himself, he's her brother and that means a lot. When he looked at her the next moment, he discovered there the strangely determined look which was so like her father's and which he had seen once before on her face. Here is the translation, she said simply as she passed over a roll of paper. Order your dinner. We will have plenty of time to look over the papers later. She's a most determined and composed little piece of humanity, was Curly's mental comment. I don't like her following me, but since she's here, I suppose I'd better make the best of it. Had he known how far she would follow him, and what adventures she was destined to share with him, he might have been tempted to wire her father to call her back. Since he did not know, he ordered meat pie, French fried potatoes, English tea biscuits, cocoa, and apple pie, then settled himself down to talk of trivial matters until the meal was over. When at last he saw the waiter remove the girl's finger bowl, Curly put out his hand for the paper. The hand trembled a trifle. Truth was, he was more eager than he was willing to admit to read the French teacher's translation of the writing on the back of the map. Now, as he held it in his hand, one question came to the forefront of his mind. Was this photograph a reproduction of the map that had looked so much like it? The one in the great volume at the library? The translation would clear up that point. But then it might not be, he reasoned. The book said that the original of this map had belonged to an English lord something like a hundred years ago, that it had disappeared, and nothing had been heard of it since. The professor said smiled the girl, a trifle anxiously, 
that the writing was in very, very old Spanish, and for that reason he might not have understood every word of it correctly, but that, taking it all in all, he thought he had made the meaning clear. We'll have a look, said Curly, unfolding the paper. He said it was the photograph of a very unusual manuscript, rare and valuable. There was something about the way the girl said this, which led Curly to guess that she might know who was in possession of the original. He was, however, too much excited over the first lines of the translation to ask her any questions. The Island of Lagos, he read the title to himself. Beneath this, in brackets, were the words, being the account of how the good ship Torrance was cast ashore on an unknown island in the midst of the great sea, an island whereon there are many barbarians having much gold. Curly caught his breath. Save for one word, the translation was the same as that he had read in the book. That word was of no consequence. It's the same map, he told himself. The very same. The girl, leaning over the table, watched him eagerly. She was both excited and elated over the find. Isn't it wonderful? She exclaimed, clasping her hands. I think it's great. And to think that my brother and his chum were the ones who found it. Haven't read it all, Curly mumbled. Then read on. Read it all. Please do. End of chapter 10